Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. God, thank you so much, Lord, that we can gather here together, God, to worship you, Lord, and to learn more about you, God. I pray that um, as we hear Daniel preach today, God, um, that you will speak to each of us, Lord, um, and that um, we will go out in this week um, and love on others, God, and um, continue to meditate on your word. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Grab a seat. Now what? It's a question that we find ourselves asking as human beings when we come to the culmination of one event in our lives and we have to make a decision about what should come next. When you graduated high school, there was a big now what waiting on you. Go get a job and work for a while, take a gap year, or go to college. When you graduate college, there'll be another now what on your horizon. Do I take a gap year? Do I go get a job? Or do I do more college? Right? At some point along the way, you're going to come to a point in your life and you're going to ask yourself, now what? Do I stay single or do I get married? If you choose the path of, of getting married, the next logical now what is kids. Once you have kids, if the Lord is gracious to you, they eventually move out of your house. But on that day, you and your spouse will be looking at one another, and you're going to go, now what? Once that day passes, you're going to come to this golden nugget out there in the future called retirement that everybody talks about. And after having worked for all these years, you're going to be asking yourself, now what? And then as you get old and get lots of gray hair and live a good long life and eventually knock upon death's door, you will find yourself asking the question, now what? In these various scenarios throughout the course of your life, you will find yourself with these two little words running through your life. Now what? So in case you haven't figured it out yet, these two words are going to play a very important role in today's message. Over the last three weeks, Kevin designed a series for us called Implications. And at the end of this series, kind of launching into the fourth part today, the fourth and final implication, we find ourselves asking the question, now what, based on what we have seen in God's word over the last three weeks. A few weeks ago, in the impromptu sermon that I got to preach, because Kevin got sick right before he preached and gave me a couple hours to get ready for the message, um, I had the task of, of preaching on the implications of the Messiah. And the question that we had to wrestle with was, 
is Jesus worthy? He claims to be Messiah. He claims to be king. He claims to be anointed one. But do we, as human beings, as his creation, find him worthy of the title that he claims for himself? And to wrestle with that, we looked at Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33, which you can turn to in your own scripture or on your own screen or on this screen up here. Now, great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 men to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore... Any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. And so the question that we had to wrestle with is, have we found Jesus worthy of who he claims to be? Have we renounced everything in our life? Because Jesus speaks in very big and bold terms that you must give, be willing to give up family. You must be willing to give up your own life. And the only reason he can call us to something so high and so great and so costly is because who he is is worth more than our family and even our own lives. The second week, I preached on the implications of the cross. I spent some time talking about the gospel, the good news. I said that there are, there are a lot of gospels being preached today, the up and to the right gospel where Jesus will make everything in your life better. There's the repairman's gospel where Jesus will, will fix everything that's broken in your life. There are lots of gospels being preached, and, and though those things may be a part of what God does in your heart and in your life, like the planets in our solar system, that they aren't the center of what the gospel message is. For the center of the gospel message is the cross of Christ. It is the good news that God himself has come and lived the life that we should have lived, perfectly fulfilling the law, and then died the death that we should have died on our behalf. And Paul tells us the implication of this is that for those who are believers in Christ, we have been reconciled to God. And so in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11, Paul pens these words. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And so you see it there. He tells you what has happened on your behalf. He gives you the implication, the culmination of the event. And the now what is, we should rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And last week in his wonderful sermon on the resurrection, Kevin spent some time talking about the different theories that are being espoused in the world today, whether it's in the sciences, whether it's, it's a philosophical argument, uh, whether it's other religions, telling us all the different ideas that people throw out there trying to get around the actual idea and fact that Jesus Christ did actually rise from the dead. 
It is overwhelming, the evidence that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Kevin and I wholeheartedly agree that the strongest amount of evidence, the strongest evidence is the fact that the way those men had their lives changed after the resurrection. Because you read the gospel stories and you see they were not worthy men. They were not good men good enough to carry on the mission of Jesus. They were scared. They denied Jesus. They ran away. But how is it that those men who were scared and running for their lives turned into men who all willingly gave up their lives for him? To where Peter, the one who denied him three times, when they led him away at the end of his life to crucify him, he said to his executioners, Please crucify me upside down, for I am not willing to die in the same manner as my Lord. The only thing that could have changed that man so drastically was seeing the risen Christ from the dead. The resurrection is recorded for us in Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day, rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Now what? Jesus has risen from the dead. Now what? We as a church celebrated Resurrection Sunday. Now what? Now that the resurrection of Jesus has validated his claims that he is the Messiah, he's the Son of God, he's the way, the truth, and the life, he's the bread of life, the Alpha and the Omega, the King of kings and Lord of lords, now now that the resurrection has shown that his sacrifice on the cross is once and for all final payment for our sins, reconciling us to God who believe in him, now what? See, in a lot of the now what's in our life, we go and we have to seek counsel. We have to ask other people. We have to kind of step into a place a lot of times with uncertainty, not knowing if this is the right way we should go, what exactly the next step should be. But church, luckily for us, the Bible has told us exactly what the very next now what step is in our lives. Because in all three of the synoptic gospels, and if you're not familiar with that term, that means Matthew, Mark, and Luke, because they tell basically the same story. John's like your kind of crazy uncle out there who kind of does his own thing on the side. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the Synoptic Gospels. In the Synoptic Gospels, if you read the very last chapter, you are going to see the very exact thing happen in each of the three chapters. And so when something is repeated, and we see it over and over in Scripture, it is God trying to drive home a point to us as his disciples. So if you look at Luke chapter 24, just over on the next page in verses 44 through 47, Jesus has come 
after Peter marveled what had happened, he, he reveals himself to two guys on the road to Emmaus. Then he appears to the disciples, and halfway down through this appearing, in verse 44, he says to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. But now what is this? And that repentance and forgiveness of all sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. So the now what, according to Luke, the doctor and the historian, repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem, right from where they were standing. Look at Mark, chapter 16, verses 14 through 15. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Mark just gives you the abbreviated version. Luke gives you the expanded version. And what is the most well-known of these passages is Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. But one thing I want to point out to you about this passage, you will notice if you pay attention to the text, that the setting here is different. In Matthew, they are up on a hillside. And I think what is important to notice about this distinguishing is it means that Jesus repeated this message more than once. This wasn't just one message that he said in the house that Mark and Luke both capture. But yet there's a separate time where he's taken the disciples up on the hillside to where he has stated this message once again. And in verses 16 through 20, what is famously known as the Great Commission, Jesus says, now, or Matthew records for us, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In 16, I pointed out to you they're on the mountain. This is a, at least a second time in Jesus' 40 days on the earth, post-resurrection, before the ascension, he has preached this message to the disciples. Notice, when they saw him, they worshipped him. This is a sign of Jesus' divinity. Because we see throughout the scriptures, when anyone bows down before an angel, the angel's like, no, 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 get up, get up, get up, get up. I'm, I'm just a created being just like you. But you notice, when they bow to worship, Jesus receives their worship. And you only got to understand, for a Jewish guy... Only one was worthy of bowing down and receiving worship. Jesus fully received their worship. When Thomas and John, uh, in, in the book of John, gets down before Jesus and he says, My Lord and my God, post-resurrection, Jesus does not turn Thomas away and say, No, Thomas, you missed it, buddy. He readily receives that worship. But notice... What gets said in verse 18? And I think sometimes this gets left off in the Great Commission because we get right to verse 19, the go therefore and make. But what precedes it is very important. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty big statement. And the only person who can actually make that statement is the one who rises from the dead. 
you know, Myra read those verses for us that long ago and at many times and in many ways God has spoken to us, the prophets. But now in the last days, he has spoken to us through his son. And, and did you notice the, the, the big things that, that Hebrews said about, uh, about Jesus, about the son and his place and his position in the universe right now? In these last days, he has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Who owns everything? Jesus. Who created the world? Jesus. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. I just want to tell you, if you ever think God gets boring, just go meditate on those words. And just think about that. Think about the Genesis story. One word. Those words spoken over the day. Everything that maintains its balance. The hundreds of billions of galaxies, each with hundreds of billions of stars, all maintain their gravitational constant. Light stays moving the speed it's supposed to stay at. Our bodies function the way they're supposed to function. Why? From one word that Jesus spoke however long ago. So when he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, that's a big statement. And then when he follows it up with, hey, here's now what I want you to go do under my authority, I think as the church, we, we better pay attention and really take hold of this now what that he is laying out for us. Because Jesus', Jesus statement, the conclusion of the gospel writers to us as the church, to us as his disciples, repeated in triplicate, is that we are to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So, if there has ever been any question in your mind, what is life all about? What is the ultimate thing toward which I should give my life until I draw my final breath on earth? You never have to ask that question ever again. Because Jesus has fully and completely given you the direction for your life and the foundation for your life until he calls you Life's great question has now been answered. You no longer have to say, man, what should I do with my life? The next time a, a, a brother or sister in Christ says to you, I wonder what I should do with my life. You say, hey, I'm so glad you asked me that because I know the answer. And you'll never have to ask that question again. This man, this God man, Jesus told us, exactly what we should do. Now notice, within that, it doesn't mean you have to be a pastor. It doesn't have to be a missionary. You can do this through any way, shape, or form that you want. Through any job, through any career, through staying, being a stay-at-home mom. The, the, the opportunities are boundless. There is no limit to how this is carried out. However, it should be the driving direction, the driving motivator in each one of our lives. And church, I want you to know this is, this is an incredibly fitting message for our church, for this body of believers on this particular Sunday. Last week was Resurrection Sunday. This week will kind of be the last week we're this size. We were about twice this size last week. This week begins the week of attrition, right? Because next we're going to get into finals and graduation, and then whew, the five of us who are left after that <laughs> will be really happy. But no, it's really cool because where when I got here last summer in those kind of times, we were like 
30 people, where now we've kind of like doubled in size, the core of the, of the Gaines villains who are kind of now, the townies, as Derek calls them, the townies, we're, we're kind of here, we've kind of doubled in size, that, that core, um, and that's really cool. But, but what you have to understand that as we begin to, um, to dwindle, as we start to see some attrition, we aren't sad about this. Now, in most churches, and again, I planted a church in Seattle, and I was there for 12 years, and I can tell you that if over the course of three or four weeks, um, my church went to like a third of its size, I would have been a little worried. But here, we're going to celebrate. Because you know what it means? It means the gospel is going around the world. It means that you guys, though you won't be here, you're going to be in different places all over the world for the next four months doing exactly what Jesus told you to do in light of his resurrection. And you need to understand something about this church. Something that makes this church unique, makes it special, sets it apart from so many other churches is 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 the fact that that is why this church was started. A lot of churches get started for a lot of different reasons. But you need to know the reason families like Kevin and Jackie moved here. Families like the Kreiners moved here. And many others six years ago. It was for these exact seasons and moments in life. To engage with you to encourage you, to equip you, to empower you, and then to send you back out into the world to take the gospel wherever God would ordain your steps. Because the Bible has told us in Acts 17, 26, that God has appointed all men in all places and all times. You need to know it's the reason why the elders like Brent Smith and Stephen Cruz and his wife Myra serve here so faithfully. It's the reason why Theo serves so faithfully as a pastor. It's the reason my family moved all the way here from Seattle. Was to invest in you as much as we could and to send you out into the world to proclaim this gospel message. To pray, to to speak of the repentance and to announce that sins can be forgiven through Jesus Christ. And you need to understand, in case it has not been made very clear to you yet, that this is your now what in life. This same message, this, this kind of first message that Jesus preaches to the group, that each of these three synoptic gospels closes with are actually the very final words of Jesus while he was on earth before he ascended into heaven. Look at Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 11. So Acts is written by the guy named Luke. He documented this whole thing traveling. He was the historian. We saw that he records the, the resurrection in chapter 24. We see the pronouncement at the very end of Luke 24, verses 44 through 47. Over the course of 40 days, Jesus has been meeting with people, teaching with people. Remember, Paul talked about Jesus appearing to the 500 and all the others. All that has taken place in these 40 days. So here Jesus is with his group, his, his, his band of merry men for the last time. The ladies who have been with him. They're a group about this size. And the very last words he says to them are this. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. 
But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Now, let me give you a little color to this scene. If you know anything about the Jewish version of the Messiah, it is all about the Messiah is one who is going to be the king to come and stamp out the enemies of Israel. Set everything right. Remember, they could only, this is why the Jewish people today still have a very hard time. They, they can't see Jesus because they can't see him as the suffering lamb as he is described in the last part of Isaiah. They, they cannot accept a suffering Messiah. They can only see a conquering Messiah. So, I mean, so, so if you ever feel like, man, I am so dense. I just don't feel like I'm ever going to get some of this stuff. I mean, these people have seen Jesus post-resurrection. He's opened their mind to the scriptures. He has taught them from his own mouth, the master teacher, Jesus. And still, the, the only thing they want to know is what? Hey, when are you going to set all things right? You know? Like, that's what I mean. This is how slow we can be to grasp. So if you feel like you're slow or you feel like someone you're discipling is slow, guess what? We're slow, all right? Just get, get, I will tell you, if you learn this lesson now, this will be so great for your parenting in the future because it does. It, it just, I don't know why it takes 821 times to tell your kid to do something that it works versus 820. I don't know why it clicks on number 821. Maybe it was the threat of losing life. But, um, you know, there's something along the way that we are just slow on the uptake to get things. And so even with all Jesus has said, I mean, he's just told them what they should go do. The only thing they want to know is, hey, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus is like, that's none of your business. Right? Like, don't even worry about that. Don't even make it your concern. The Father has that handled. Trust in him and trust in his sovereignty. In case you didn't catch it the other times I've told you over the last 40 days, let me repeat this message to you. But also notice last words. Now you think about it, just, just for a moment, any movie you've seen, or maybe a, a scene that plays in your head with someone that was close to you who is passing away. The last words they spoke to you were, were the thing they really wanted you to know, the thing they really wanted you to remember. Those words are said with great intentionality. Last words are incredibly important words. And so for the very last words Jesus utters to his disciples, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. For us, that's like Gainesville, Nicanope, Alabama, Russia, okay? I mean, it's just kind of like where that goes. But I, and, then, and then I hope you appreciate what happens after that. Because, okay, now you're here, right? You got Jesus, you, you got him back for 40 days, and then he starts going up on the stairway to heaven, you know? So he's up there going, doo -doo 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 -doo, you know, I, I can imagine like Mario music playing in my head or something. Doo -doo 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 -doo, Jesus going. So you're watching this, and you're like, you know, you're like, you like you you haven't had a chance to like look at anybody else. You're like, uh, 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 you don't know what to do. And these two dudes show up, and they're like, "What are y'all doing? Like, why haven't you left yet? Right? I mean, like, you haven't had a chance to look down at the other people yet. And the urgency with these two men of Galilee, which we are assuming are angels, they're going, "Why are you guys looking into heaven?" Go! Get! Get to moving! I hope you appreciate the sense of urgency with which that message is given. Now, 
I'm about to do something that's going to freak every one of you out, okay? And I like doing things like this. And I, I like making you uncomfortable. It's one of the great joys of my life. Here's what we're about to do. We today, we want to commission, recognize, and celebrate the fact that from this local body of Christ, until most of us return in the fall, the gospel of Jesus Christ will be proclaimed all over the world. But rather than just stating that as just some big statement, I want to give you a visual of just how awesome this reality actually is. So we're going to ask you to do something this morning that's going to be a little out of your comfort zone. Now, if you are new with us, you do not have to participate. If you don't participate, we're going to know that you're new. All right? So just so you know, you've got you to pick your poison. You've got to pick which one's worse. All right? So, no, you really don't have to participate. We're all volunteers. Um, I want you to see what that visual is. Because it, we should never take for granted that while we are here for this short span of life, that it is from this little lunchroom, cafeteria, room that we meet in, that this gospel is going to go all over the world. And it's not going all over the world 10 years from now. It'll be there 10 years from now. It's not going all over the world five years from now. Beginning tomorrow, it starts to go all over the world. In a few weeks, it's going to be launched out all over the world. And so, um, so I, I first and foremost, here's what you're, you're going to do. I'm going to call out a group of people. And if you're part of that group and you want to, you can stand up. So that way, and we want to tell, I want you to tell me, I want you to tell everybody where you're going. So the first group I want to recognize this morning, because you're on the precipice of it all, graduates. If you are graduating this semester in any degree field and you want to stand up, I want you to stand up. And say where you are taking the gospel next. Come on. Oh, wow, let's give, him a, let's give him a hand. Now, I, I'll just say we have more than this, but they're in the category of hoping to graduate, so they're at home studying this morning. Okay? So, if you're a graduate, just say where you are taking the gospel next. Amen. All right. All right. All right. Hey, okay, we are praying for people. To, we are not laughing at anybody for staying, okay? Because we might not let you leave anyway. So, good. Yes. All right. The gospel's going to Georgia. Awesome. All right. Crew wins the day. New, oh, the, oh, need a lot of gospel in New York City. All right. No, where are you going? Aren't you going somewhere? Aren't you going somewhere? Exactly. Yeah, she's, she's roughing it for Jesus in Lake Tahoe, okay? So, uh, all right, man, oh, man, we've been praying, so you, we've been praying for you guys for a long time, all right? Austin, Texas, need the gospel in Austin. Jacksonville, Florida, yes. Beach gospel, here we come. <laughs> Miami. Miami. Miami needs the gospel. Melbourne Florida. Melbourne, Florida needs the gospel. Nashville, Tennessee definitely needs the gospel. All right, some honky-tonk bars need it. All right? Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I think we could all agree that LSU needs the gospel. Yes, yes. All right, you guys can grab a seat. Who? Who did I miss? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Gainesville, Florida. Yes. Yeah, anybody else? Jacksonville. All right. Awesome. Okay. I know there's, we have a lot, of, I know we have several people going overseas this summer. If you are intentionally going overseas to share the gospel this summer, we want you to stand up and we don't see where the gospel's going. And some of, the, some of them I know have to be vague because of where they are going. All right, for the summer. For the summer. 
East Asia for the summer. Yes, so this group particularly use your prayers because they will be gone for several months sharing the gospel in an undisclosed location for a, for a very good reason. All right? Columbia, yes. Columbia. Columbia. In case you didn't know, the church is taking a mission trip to Columbia this summer. We need at least one more person to go. This is the last week to go, July 4th through 15th? 5th through 14th? 5th through 14th. So if you're interested, that guy who stood up at the back, Stephen, one of the elders of the church, go talk to him. We're looking for one more person to go. And especially if you speak Spanish, because they're going with no native Spanish speakers. Now, again, we've planted a church there, so we do have a little leg up in our connections there. But if you want to go and are interested. So the gospel is going to Colombia and to East Asia um, uh, all over the world. Okay, if you're, going on an, if you're doing an internship over the next four months, tell us where you're going to take the gospel over this summer. Anybody on an internship? We got one, two. All right. All right. Where are you going, Kelsey? Eglin Air Force. Air Force. I have no idea where that's at. Again, I'm from Alabama. We didn't, we, I don't know anything south of where I'm from. So, Tampa, all right? Colorado Springs, they need the gospel out there. Where you, well, Tomo might be the winner today. I know where he's going. Where are you going? Sacramento, California. Yes, California needs the gospel. Josh? Orlando. Front? Orlando? Atlanta, awesome, Atlanta needs to go, oh, Foster City, in California, awesome, that's where the gospel is going to be taken, just through internships this summer, all right, now this one, you know, might be a little shameful, but uh, who's forced to go back home this summer, huh, who's going back home, <laughs> oh, they stood up proud, they stood up proud, see, all right, all right. Pennsylvania with the gospel. Sarasota. Claremont. Melbourne. Orlando. All right, these people are taking the gospel back to their hometown. And let me say, going back home is not an easy place to go, right? What, Jesus, what did Jesus say about going back home with the gospel? A prophet is not honored in his hometown. In case you never heard this, to be an expert in anything, you only have to be 30 miles away. <laughs> right? You're gonna, you, you will realize you get older. If you say, I came from wherever 30 miles away, you will be considered an expert in that field. If you're within a 30-mile circle, people won't listen to a word you say. Why? Because you're a hometown prophet. True story. Jesus was, Jesus was dead on with that one. All right. Now... My next category is, that I have up here is staying right here in hot and humid Gainesville to suffer through the summer, okay? But anybody, is there anybody I'm missing that doesn't qualify for any of the other categories and not staying in Gainesville? Because that was the limit of what my brain could come up with. Okay, Tennessee Summer Training Program Navigators. Kids summer camp, North Carolina, awesome. Special needs kids, awesome. Oh, awesome, awesome. Anybody else? All right, now it's time for the Gaines villains, right? So if you're if you're if you're going to be a townie this summer, now here now here's the difference. I mean, so because no, you go ahead, stand up. You can stand up. You can stand up. Uh, you're staying. You're staying. <laughs> Just because we take six weeks vacation doesn't mean we're, we're not really traveling. So, um, but we want to know, I want to know specifically where you're taking the gospel, even tomorrow. All right? On campus at UF. To your roommates, amen. 
on campus, on campus, research lab on campus. And we, uh, we want to say a big congratulations to Kiara. Yes, she just got P PhD candidate. Is that right? Yes, yes. So, and again, now this is awesome because see, if I, I'll, I'll, if I get this right, you became a believer right before you graduated Cornell. Is that right? Yep, became a believer then, and now she's here doing PhD. And so God's brought her here. And then one of these days, we're going to launch her back out into the world, into the sciences where the gospel is desperately needed. All right? Amen. All right. Awesome. <laughs> yes. All right. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Amen. Hey, Publix needs the gospel. All right. Oh, see, always an opportunity to share the gospel. All right. Uh, where are you going to be? Yeah. So if you ever, huh? Yeah. So if you ever need a place to go, Wyatt's Coffee is run by Gabe back there, you know? So, yes, Alina. Yeah. All right. In the very back. All right. Oh, yeah, our court system needs Jesus, so you can go right ahead. The spectacle fellow by the camera. All right. Danielle. Oh, we know they need Jesus. Uh-huh. Rod. All right, awesome. Laura. Gainesville Health and Fitness. Matt. Florida Credit Union. Yes. Brent. Which middle school? Lincoln Middle School. Teenagers need Jesus. Right here. Yep. Attending classes on campus. Studying, yes, Li <laughs> library. You say, hey, prayer circle, come on, people, come on. <laughs> All right? Anya, where are you taking the gospel? Uh, at work. At work. Yes, Julia. On campus. On campus. Uh, Man, you busy. You got lots of places to go. Yeah. Awesome. On campus. You, tall guy. Yes. Yes. The Rock Middle School. The Rock Middle School. Me, I'll be taking the gospel to my wife because she's returning from Vegas, so she's going to need it. So <laughs> she's been on a business trip. So. Um, So, um, man, that's just awesome. It truly is. And that's one of the things that makes Aletheia so unique, is that we don't know how long we're, we're going to have you guys here. You don't know how long you're going to be here. Um, you know, a lot of you are wanting to get out. We keep praying more people stay to help us facilitate the mission that God has given us here. But it, it is. It's, it's one of the reasons we came. So if you don't just... The brief part of our story is when I stepped down from my church in Seattle, uh, we'd spent the entire last summer driving around the country deciding where we were going to live. And we, view, we, uh, we toured college campuses and towns and cities all over the country and landed here when we, we knew God wanted us to be here. But one of the things that, that, that um, convinced me to come here and was very strategic was Eddie from the BCM. We were having lunch with a bunch of guys, and he said, listen, I'm going to tell you why you should come to Gainesville, Florida. 
I said, all right, Eddie, tell me why. He said, because it is from this place you will launch out the leaders and influencers of tomorrow. And it's true. It is from this location, from this university, that you will be launched out all over the world. And your prime directive, the, the final words from Jesus to his disciples, is go tell people. Pronounce for repentance, forgiveness of sins. Make disciples, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded baptizing them. That is why we exist as a church. It's why missions exist. Maybe the most powerful opening line I've read, of, I read in any book ever that just floored me when I read it was this from John Piper in his book Let the Nations Be Glad. Now listen, just listen to these words in light of what has been said today. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions. Because God is ultimate, not missions. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity. But worship abides forever. Worship, therefore, is the fuel and goal of in missions. It's the goal of missions because in missions we simply aim to bring nations into the white hot enjoyment of God's glory. Missions begins and ends in worship. If you want to put something on the dash of your car, in the mirror, in your bathroom, in your Bible, wherever you're going to go this summer. We'll, we will post this quote on the Facebook page and you can snag it and print it and put it wherever you want to put it. Missions exist because worship doesn't. So here's what we're going to do to close out the final part of the message is that if you want to be officially, in a very generic way, commissioned by the pastors and elders of this church, because you're, you're taking the gospel somewhere, we actually want you to come up this morning. I know it's going to be crowded. Let's pull, push chairs back. We can do that. Um, we're not that, uh, we're not that uh, you know, fancy around here. Um, we want you to come up. And the elders and pastors, we just want to pray over you guys. And we just want to officially send you out and commission you and, and cover you in prayer as you go and you take this gospel. So if you would like to, to be prayed over this morning, um, even if you didn't stand up and you want to be prayed over, you can. And just come on up and just come up here around the stage, on the stage, and we just want to lay hands on you and we want to pray over you. And this may be like you think, oh no, we've become charismatic and this is really weird and kind of crazy. This is something that is um, the church has done since its inception. It is how we love one another and we care for one another and, and we show our unity and agreement for God in taking us together. So if you would like to be prayed over this morning, I just want to go ahead and ask you to, uh, to come on up and we're just going to lay hands on you and just as a group and we just, want to, uh, we just want to pray for you as a whole as you go out into the world tomorrow and over the next four months and some for the rest of your lives. <laughs> uh, so yeah just grab, grab, grab the mic and so 
So I've asked a few of the guys if they would, if they would, if they would just pray. And so basically this is, a, well, as I famously say, uh, they'll dial, I'll hang up. And, um, and if you want to, from wherever you're sitting, if you just want to be truly Pentecostal and charismatic and reach out your hand, we'll, we'll, we'll accept that as laying on of hands, too. <laughs> um, yeah. Chauncey, can you hit mute on this? Chauncey, can you unmute this? All right, let's pray. Um, Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much for each and every one of these um, young men and women uh, that you have already anointed with your presence enough to draw them to want to um, lead others to worship you. So, Father, I pray that you would go before them, anoint their steps, prepare the hearts of every single person that they will encounter because you know who they are. Um, Lord, protect them from the enemy's pitfalls and attacks, and Lord, just give them hope um, in, a, in you in the midst of it all. When when they're discouraged, Father, let their eyes be lifted up. Um, let, their, um, let them know that you are where their help comes from um, and that you are their refuge in the midst of it all. So, Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would draw them close as they go out into the world and potentially into isolation this summer. Uh, anoint them with your presence. We ask this in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessings on this group of men and women as they go out to carry the greatness of your name uh, and kingdom into the world, into darkness. I pray that they would be salt and light. I pray that you would um, soften their hearts for the people that they're going to come in contact with, God, and recognize that um, there is a very, very real struggle between good and evil that goes on in this world. The, the prince of the power of the air is at work in this world, and we pray that you would give them uh, swift feet to step into darkness, um, wise minds to, uh, to speak properly, God, that you would put your spirit on them to give them the words to speak up, um, to speak out, and to share your name, and to minister to those they come in contact with this, with this summer. In Christ's name we pray. Lord Jesus, as we go out from this place, as we go to the extremities of the earth, God, from California to Colombia to Guatemala, to everywhere that we go, Father, I pray that you would go before us, go with us. Father, allow us to be your voice, to share the love of your hope with the nations, God, with every person that we come into contact with, from our coworkers or our classmates. God, let us be witnesses for you. Let us share the love of the gospel that you have given us, that you have put in us, that we also believe. God, let us be witnesses for you as we go and we, I pray that we would be given the words to speak, given the courage to speak. God, as you go with us, God, Father, protect us from the evil one. Protect us from everything that is going to come against us, that doesn't want us to speak from the urges within us that wants to remain silent, that wants to remain hidden, that wants to be well thought of. God, I pray against those things and that you would be with us. Amen. Father, we thank you for all of these individuals as they've gathered up here just to be commissioned. Lord, I pray that the love of you would be in all of their hearts. I pray that that would be the motivation for their actions, the motivation for their thoughts that it would come out of pure love for you and that you would fill them, Lord, with a desire uh, to make you known, a desire to spread your name, to spread your glory. Father, a desire to see you happy and enjoy because, Lord, we know that it brings joy in the presence of heaven whenever sinners come to you, whenever people come to believe in you. And so, Father, I pray that that joy will be the joy of all of these individuals as they stand before you, as they sit before you a genuine desire to bring you happiness and to have joy within ourselves. Lord, I pray that you would give them endurance as they go into difficult contexts and difficult places. It's so easy to become discouraged. I pray that you would strengthen their hearts, that you would make their hands strong, that you would make their minds strong and disciplined, and that you would allow them, Father, to be able to endure all of the attacks of the enemy and all of the attacks of those whom he may use. And Father, finally, I pray that you would bring light Lord, you are the light of the world. You are in all of us, Father. We are your light in this world. 
we keep out darkness, and I pray, Father, that your light would shine through us. I pray that your light would fill this world so that those who come into contact with us would not see us, but that they would see you. They would see you shining through us as you desire uh, to spread your glory, to spread your name, Lord, among the nations, among the cities, among the towns within this city of Gainesville, Father. Lord, may we truly be your light, and may you fill us with your spirit. We ask these things the only way that we know how, and that's in Jesus' name. Father, my mind is drawn to the verse in Hebrews that says, For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Father, I cannot help but imagine that on this day, 2,000 years removed from the death, burial, and resurrection of your son, that your heart is not overflowing with joy. To see those for whom you have ordained to eternal life being willing to count the cost knowing that they are being sent into the world with a primary mission of proclaiming the excellencies of King Jesus to a world who so desperately needs it. Father, I pray that you would allow your joy to flow over into their hearts and their lives. That it would pour out and, and radiate and it would fill them up and it would fill them up in such a way that it would pour out into the lives of others. That people would see them wherever they go and they would be drawn to them. For Father, a young man who has recently been coming and has recently become a follower of Jesus said a month ago he was an atheist but yet he was in this group and he saw these Christians and he saw that they had something and he just knew that it was different. And within a few weeks, you took him from being an atheist to being one who has surrendered his life to the cause of Christ. Father, may they see that you, the, the fields are white with harvest. For is this not what Jesus, you said yourself? That the fields are white with har harvest, and we just need to pray for people who are willing to go. And so, Father, here is this people gathered in this place today. Here am I, Lord, send me. This is a church. This is a people that knows it is being sent out into the world. So though we will miss their faces, though we will miss their friendship and their fellowship, God, we rejoice knowing that you are doing what you said you would do. You are raising up people to be sent out into the harvest. So God, go with them. Go with each of us as we go out to tell the world about Jesus. To call people to repentance and to proclaim that they can have their sins forgiven. May our souls rejoice that we have been reconciled to our God. May our souls rejoice say that there is just a God but that you are our God and we go knowing that we have been we have been bought we have been redeemed we have been justified we have been glorified we have been sanctified and one day we will bow before you and we will gratefully So what are you waiting on? Go! Oh, that's right. You guys want to do that communion thing. All right. It's a band. You go ahead and come on back up. Well, while they're coming back up, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do announcements while they're coming up. And so that way, when we're done with the second song, we're done. 
and then seriously go, go to lunch, <laughs> all right? Because maybe that, that was probably the only place you, you thought you were going to get launched out to after service today. Um, just let me say, if, uh, if you're new with us today or if you just want to take a further step to get connected, you should see in the seat back in front of you a connection card that looks like this. If you would fill that out, that would be great. See that uh, handsome, bespectacled fellow back there in the back, Josh <laughs> Fetterman? That's, who you sh that's where you should put this card when you're done. Also, let me tell you something, another investment that we've recently made. Um, how many Bibles did we buy? How many? We recently, with your giving money, bought 250 Bibles. You want to know why? Because a lot of you don't have Bibles. So guess what? If you want a Bible, you can claim one. Maybe you know someone who needs one. Take one. It's a good, great, and wonderful thing to read the Bible. Um, so if it's at the back back there. So if you need a Bible because you don't have a, a Bible, and yes, you need a paper copy of the Bible, all right? You do. Your digital screen is not enough. We need kids' help and tech help because it's summer. So if you're willing, after service, Caitlin's going to be at the back. Yes? Yes? Caitlin will be at the back. You can let her know. Talk to her. Or you can just put on here, willing to help, and we can do that and help you out as well. Also, gospel communities. Some are on a break. Some are finishing. But we'll re-ramp up for our summer groups here starting uh, the the week after Mother's Day. Uh, already said Columbia, already said connection cards, already said Bible. So I will turn it over to you. And uh, you, do we have a name for the band? We do not. No, dang. <laughs> right. We're the Aletheia worship team. Yeah, I want to be like the front guy. <laughs> okay, uh, so for this next song, we're going to be singing about um, remembrance. And as we have just come off of a celebration of Easter and the resurrection, we're going to sing about the body and the blood of Christ and what he did on the cross. And so as we take this time to reflect and be in communion, let's not waste it. It's a time of confession. It's a time of prayer. It's a time of remembrance. So let's sing and let's pray this together. <laughs> 